0: Welcome to Fringe, gentlemen. Here on the Four Forty Sports Network, my name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall.
1: Mine is Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram Aaron underscore Dugan.
0: Welcome back to the pod. The band is back together. We've got a great guest today, and we've got a fun couple of topics on the show: our spring power rankings and number of returning starters for every team in the sec we'll get to all of that today neil mccready gonna join us of course rebelgrove.com is the website the officially licensed site of the rivals.com network covering the old mississippi rebels to give us an old miss state of the union so that's coming up a little bit later on uh in the show as well so uh spring practice we'll sort of uh poo poo spring practice a bit here at the beginning maybe yeah i'm a bit of a a spring practice poo -poo pooer um and that's fine and that's fine um Uh, Of course, before we do that, Aaron Dugan, Fringe Element, is brought to you by?
1: Jaspers, the new game capital of the Music City, which is the capital of Tennessee.
0: Yes, well done. Uh, Thank you. A little geography with your ad read, always a nice touch. Yes, the renovated game room. We've obviously got NCAA tournament games wrapping up. You got the final four this weekend, but you also have the NFL draft coming up. You've got spring games, if you care about that. Of course, Preds games. Uh anything that's going on in the world of sports you got the Masters coming up uh so make sure you check the uh, the new game room out at Jasper's ski ball papa shot air hockey life size jenga connect four shuffleboard literally almost darts literally every possible awesome bar game is now in the Jasper's game room so go check out the new game room at Jasper's all the other great stuff is still there right the parking is still free the food is still amazing uh and of course Aaron tag Aaron's taglines are still exceptional and extraordinary so there's that <laughs> ish um so go ahead well i was gonna say before we get into neil mccready coming up a little bit later on with our old miss state of the union and our spring power rankings uh i did say i I did word something last week on the show that might have misled the audience as to what you were doing last week um (laughs) when i said something along the lines of like dealing with some stuff like i i didn't really mean it in like a negative way Um, he made it sound
1: like i was going through something and indeed yeah yeah. was but it was yes yeah, not what you would think
0: you're going through tsa at the airport is i was going thinking.
1: through ts i was going through <laughs> customs
0: customs because all she did was party her ass off in cabo last week and that is why she couldn't be here with you the fine folks of the fringe element podcast
1: listen everyone needs a reset i won't say that it feels like a reset at this particular moment <laughs> but yes how's one the- of my best friends is getting married and her bachelorette was in cabo
0: how's the old bod feeling these days these days
1: I will say that I could have slept from two days ago and through today. Yep.
0: yep. But I'm here. If you if you'd like to see more, check out Aaron Dugan on the Instagram uh, <laughs> at Aaron underscore Dugan. Yep. Uh, I've
1: got some hot friends. I'm not gonna lie.
0: I did not say that. I just I just said if you're gonna tell people on accident what your co-host is doing, and then everyone just goes and watches her just party her ass <laughs> off in Cabo Sorry. for a week.
1: What's she going through? <laughs> She's going through right. something tough.
0: Well, that's why <laughs> I like that voice. By the way, I I wanna. Uh, we should do an entire press conference um, with with just that particular voice from from Aaron Dugan. Um, no, like that I, I, I misrepresent. Like, what do you with, feel
1: like happened on offense exactly? <laughs> oh
0: my god, no, go ahead. Okay, never never talking mind. Talking over thinking, each other now. Never mind. I was kidding. Don't do that voice anymore. Um, okay. I misrepresented you. So I apologize to the audience. That was my fault. So Mm
1: -hmm. it's my bad. And I did not think that I was going through a tumultuous time last week. (laughs) I knew that I was, it was a very privileged experience. So on Uh, we go.
0: Check out the YouTube page as well, Aaron uh, and the fam doing great work to get the show up there each and every week. Uh, Mitch and I had a great time last week hanging out without you. So uh, don't worry about it. You weren't missed. It's cool. All right. Okay. Perfect. All right, so uh, our spring power rankings, we're going to give you 14 to 1, and we're going to run down returning starters according to Athlon Sports, which is also where I work, uh, where you used to work, and we're going to give you the official returning starters for every team in the SEC and give you sort of our preliminary spring power rankings in the conference. However, I, I think to begin this conversation, I, I want to I make sure I-, I-, I make this clear to people. I think spring practice is incredibly important. But I don't think being perfect in spring practice is that important. I don't think what actually happens from like a position battle standpoint outside of maybe the quarterbacks is all that important because you're going to have another battle in the, in the summer and then another battle in fall camp and all this other stuff. I just don't think it's all that big of a deal to watch the details of spring practice. I don't think it matters. And so I'm not going to be sitting here you know, breaking down the Auburn offensive lines walk through it at spring practice. Cause I just don't find it all that interesting to me. It's important that they're practicing. <laughs> and, and that's, that's the big thing is that it's very, it's still very important. I just don't think the details are that important.
1: Well, it's, and it's really just, I do feel like people are reaching when you try to make these big overarching evaluations of a team's potential based on spring practice. I think we're just sometimes a little eager, and we miss football and we really try to, uh, extrapolated out to mean more than it does. What, when I was working at Vanderbilt to me, the most telling things, and of course I knew a little bit more being around the program all the time, but from the outside, even people were coming in. I think the most telling thing is chemistry of the team. How excited are the guys? How excited are the coaches? How high energy are the practices? And then also if you're looking closely, you can figure out maybe who's still struggling, um, injury wise, although they, we don't really want that to be most schools don't want that to be common knowledge. And yes, the quarterback battle, um, any of the other battles, like you just mentioned, a, they're not as decisive as the quarterback battles. Maybe some of the positions on the line are, but you know, a lot of the other, you know, position drills and guys battling for those positions just aren't as decisive as the quarterback because they'll, your playbook is, you know, larger.
0: Well, like you're not going to figure out who your left guard is in spring practice or you're, you know, may, maybe you figure out who your wide receiver number two is or something like right. that. But like, you're not really going to find out a whole lot of that stuff in spring. You, you got a whole not, you got, especially now with roster management, the way it is with transfers and, you know, kids showing up in the summertime and early enrollees and all this stuff. Like, it's just going to be so different in the fall. So again, I'm not trying to poo poo everything you read about spring practice, You know, again, I think the quarterback battles are important. I just don't. That's not what we're going to talk about on the show today. Uh, We're going to dive into who these teams have coming back sort of largely in these position groups that are important to us. Uh, We'll compare them to some of the teams around the country and to each other. And we'll do it in the form of our spring power rankings. You want to get to it? Are you ready for this? Aaron? Yes, I wish
1: we had theme music like right when you said that I was hearing like a theme song in my head
0: but like Price is right like <singing> ba-da-ba-da, ba-da-ba-da. mine
1: was less cheeky ba-da-ba-da, but ba-da-ba-da. yeah mine was more like uh, is that
0: a western what is that I don't really know I should, know, I should know what that is uh, alright number 14 Anyways. number fourteen on the list no more singing from either of us or valuable yep. voices number 14 on the list Venerable okay. Commodores yep um, we six. all see it <laughs> blue Six six returning starters on offense, six returning starters on defense, 12 total for the Vanderbilt Commodores. That is right in the middle of the pack in the conference. So, not, not uh, among the most returning starters, not among the fewest. Uh, you know, Clark Lee is, I think, lost 20. I mean, Vanderbilt, I think, has lost 21 straight. And if you count the new rebrand, which we have not talked about with you, uh, <laughs> 22 straight games, uh, if you want to count the rebranding as a loss, taking an L there um, with your new power power V that, that looks like, let's be honest, like Villanova, Xavier, and the history channel had a threesome. Let's just be, let's be honest about that.
1: I've seen it compared to Borat. I've seen it. <laughs> it's, you know what? I don't feel the need to hold back from all water on this. Oh, it's okay. horrible. Why no one asked for it. In fact, they had meetings with people that acting like they're taking people's opinion in and considering everyone, everybody said they didn't want the rebrand and I hate it.
0: so there you have it folks
1: I protect them sometimes I'm not doing it today I hate it I don't know why we did it
0: and I hate it it does look like an upside down pair of bell bottoms let's be honest looks like some pants from the 70s anyway
1: super upset
0: (laughs) anyway 12 returning starters 21 straight losses they have to improve the overall talent on the roster but they do have some pieces there I don't know how many of them are, are are very good but 12 starters back for Vanderbilt
1: You. You just have to hope that Vanderbilt's heading in the right direction. I mean, we know that there's some talent at the quarterback position. That's just not enough with Ken Seals and Mike Wright still kind of battling for that. Both coming back as juniors. Um, I just just have to hope that we're seeing some kind of improvement. <laughs> you know, it's
0: quarterback finding a quarterback will go a long way. There's there's no yeah,
1: question. and then and then from there, hopefully, you can start to build some pieces around it. But it's gonna be a minute. <laughs>
0: And if you'd like to hear uh, more an in depth Vanderbilt State of the Union, check out our episode last week with Mitch Light, some guy who did the Vanderbilt State of the Union. Number 13 on the list. Don't add us here, okay? Because these next three are about the same. We had a tough time deciding on these, but we're putting South Carolina at 13. Obviously, Spencer Rattler is on the roster. He does not count. They actually have 15 returning starters, eight on offense and seven on defense. That is second most in the entire conference. But we, have, we still have some questions about this team uh, overall. I, I could see South Carolina being 12th, maybe 11th in the power rankings. I, I'm okay with that debate between the next two teams. But uh, I'm also, I also have a lot of questions on South Carolina's ability to replicate what they did last year.
1: I agree. I do think there was it was I won't call it luck, but I do feel like the cards fell in South Carolina's favor on a couple of close games last season. Um so if that can happen for them again, then they may come out with something that looks, you know, a little bit better than expected or it looks like it should be higher than 13th on our list. Um we are we going to talk about we're going to talk about standout players too. Go for it. Braden.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Talk
0: um, about whatever you this, want. It's your podcast.
1: This is easier with, you know, some other teams we're looking at, there's just, it's hard to pick. Um, I kind of honed in on Jaheim Bell for South Carolina, their tight end, um, just in turn, if we're going to talk about guys specifically, just his ability to um, add value after he catches the ball. He's good at breaking tackles. He just showed a lot of potential for South Carolina. Um, So he's kind of who I just had my sights set on. If I had to pick one, I think he's going to be someone fun to watch this season.
0: Okay. Um, There you have it. Eight starters back on offense, which again does not include Spencer Rattler uh, and any other transfer portal people they've brought in. So they've got a lot of guys back. I, again, does that together? Yeah. And, and I, I think Shane Beamer does some things really well. This is where we're going to learn. Can he develop? Can he coach? Can he scheme? This is where we're going to learn is this, this off season. We're going to find out because I, I, you're right. Luck's not the right word, but when you get Auburn in Florida, when they got him, and, and to get them like they got him, uh, I, I think that's uh, fortuitous at least to say the least. So, uh, and I'm okay with, with Gamecocks fans being pissed off about that. In fact, I take it back. You can't at, you can't at me. It's fine. You can, you can, you can be mad at me because I think, it. I think Missouri, South Carolina are basically even we've got Missouri at, at 12 here on our list. Um, they actually returned eight starters on defense, six starters on offense. That's 14 total, which is third uh, in the or fourth in the SEC behind a couple of teams here that we're going to get to uh, and behind South Carolina. They went hard into the portal, brought a bunch of guys back trying to fix their defense. They lost their quarterback, Connor Basilak. It's an interesting team. Eli Drinkowitz, year three, you know, again, uh, State of the Union, Dave Matter from the St. Louis Post-Ditch a couple of weeks ago. Make sure you check that out. They've got some weapons that are going to be good on offense. Um, The question is whether or not the defense can show improvement or not.
1: Who sticks out to you on offense?
0: Well, I mean, Luther, Luther Burden is, um, you know, the big five-star freshman at wide receiver. I think he's a name that everybody's sort of captivated by and can't wait to see, Um, you know, the new defensive coordinator, uh, Blake Baker needs to show some major progress. They, they hit the, again, I think they have, they've got 14 guys back, eight of them on defense, but they weren't particularly good on defense. They were terrible on defense. So how much of that is is is, is good players? I, I don't know. That one's a that one's a tough one. They went defensive line. I think they went portal heavy on the defensive line. So we'll see. Missouri's. See how, I could see South Carolina being better than Missouri pretty easily. So
1: these were hard. We had little areas for nearly impossible. Those being two of them. I think we can move on.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, number tw- number eleven on the list. The Auburn Tigers, and frankly, Auburn could be thirteen. But we put Auburn at 11, just ahead of South Carolina, Missouri, based on talent alone. Uh, The Auburn Tigers will bring back six starters on offense and five starters on defense. That is 11 total, Uh, some of the fewest talented uh, talent returning of anybody in the SEC. Uh, You know, huge question marks at the coaching staff, huge question marks at quarterback. You you know, (laughs) you lose a bunch of star power on defense with McLean and McCreary and Monday all leaving. Uh, You got two new coordinators. Like, I just... The running backs are great, but I don't think you've got, I don't know, like this this whole entire thing feels like it's teetering on the brink of an implosion, which means they probably could be below South Carolina and Missouri in theory.
1: It's not the same kind of chaos that we've seen with LSU in the past, but it does give us a very hard time in terms of just what in the world do we do with the information that we have? And there's so many moving parts that it's hard to put them together and make any kind of real good guesstimate of what it's going to look like. Obviously we, you know, you have tank, tank Bigsby at running back, like Braden just mentioned, and you know, his ability talk about your ability to make plays after contact. He's off the charts in that sense His athleticism can do big things for them, but they're he's, he can't do that by himself Um, on defense for them. um, Jalen Simpson, their cornerback is, one of the, one of their cornerbacks is one of the most impressive athletes on the team. I think Um, he just needs a little bit more time. He's not afraid to come across the center of the field. He's not afraid of um, contact. Uh, And so a little bit more playing time for him and hopefully some help on defense. Would um, at least
0: get Auburn moving in the right direction. I, I like that a player to watch on Auburn's defense. That's it. that's good stuff right there. I appreciate that. Uh, number ten, and I'll, I'll we'll let Neil McCready do some of the work on this because he he seems to think they're going to have a really great start to the year. The schedule's pretty light, but that the the last five or five or so weeks are pretty brutal. So this team could could be pretty solid, but also fall to seven and five. I would also argue that the SEC could see. 10 11 12 teams get ball eligible so even some of these teams we're talking about right now Aaron I've, we've got Ole Miss at number 10 they they have um five returning starters on offense and six on defense so 11 total so not a lot but that that you know a lot of guys back in the secondary they lost some guys in the front seven obviously Matt Corral's the biggest one and, and but he seems to think that this team like there, there's some even though they might take a step back or two that this is still going to be a pretty solid football team
1: I think so, too. And since they do have some guys returning in those line positions like we've talked about many times before, Nick Broker is the first one that comes to mind. But we've talked about this before in terms of upperclassmen leadership just, quote unquote, just hits different when it's on the line. It means more to have upperclassmen leadership in those particular positions. Nick Broker is a great example of that um, blindside blocker for the Rebels and um, is upperclassman, is a leader not only on the field, but off the field. Um, so some of that will help them, I think. But again, you know, the quarterback is a big loss for them.
0: Yeah, Jackson Dart coming in from USC doesn't count as a returning starter, but should be the guy. Luke Altmyer is the other one that they're going to battle with. And again, McCready talks a lot about the sort of how they're going to replace the running backs, how they're going to replace the receiving core, uh, all that stuff. So I'll, I'll also, how are they going to replace the coaching s- staff as well? They've got new coordinators on on basically both sides of the ball. Chris Partridge, there calling the plays now on on defense for old, old Mississippi. Old um, Mississippi. Number nine, the Florida Gators. And uh, there's... This this They have as many returning starters as anybody in the SEC except for Mississippi State. They have 15 returning starters, seven on offense, eight on defense, and the only teams in America that have more returning starters than the Florida Gators, Mississippi State, as we mentioned, Kansas, Iowa, NC State, they all have 17 returning starters. Clemson, Syracuse, and Florida State have 16 returning starters. And then Wake Forest, Pittsburgh, Purdue, Maryland, South Carolina – and Florida. So Florida's returning a bunch of guys that have playing experience. The problem is, is their defense was terrible last year and it got their coach fired. So, um, I, I don't, I think this is going to take a year, but I think this is going to be a, a team that shows improvement right away.
1: Well, f- like you, you alluded to this, but they do, they do have a lot of guys coming back, but it's not, it's not really upperclassmen Florida. we, how many freshmen and sophomores were on Florida's roster. And it's like an insane number, like almost no upperclassmen. So although they do have a lot of guys coming back, um, they don't have guys coming back in those main leadership upperclassmen positions. They have a lot of, still a very young team. Now what that means for them in two years could be really, really good things. Yep. Um, but for now you have to just rely pretty heavily on Anthony Richardson to try to fill pretty big shoes. And yep. um wait on some of these guys to mature, or at least get reps.
0: So this is where it got, got really interesting for us. Like you and I were going back and forth on this, trying to figure out who, who is basically four through eight in the sec, like the top three are pretty easy to, to, to pinpoint. And while we debated a lot in those last couple of slots and with Florida and Ole Miss, even just back and forth, that there seems to be these next four or five teams are basically dead even So don't get offended here. This is just how we feel about them right now in the spring um, and how many returning starters there are, but like, it's, this is hard for me. It it was hard. We put Arkansas at number eight and they only have nine returning starters. It's some of the fewest returning starters in all of college football. In fact, there's only there's only like six or seven teams in all of power five football that have fewer returning starters. You lose Traylon Burks, you know, KJ Jefferson is back. They're going to have to find some pieces along both lines of scrimmage. But I, I really like this team. I really like this 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 program and where they're at. Um, but the defense wasn't maybe as good as people expected. Over six yards per play in SEC play on defense. Tough schedule. Tough division. Really good team. I I don't know. We we put him at eight, Aaron. How do you feel about that?
1: <laughs> we almost had to because I. This is what we said before we we jumped on today, Braden kind of tried to pin me down and say Mississippi State or Arkansas. And I was like, my heart wants to say Arkansas, not only because my love for Sam Pittman, but just because what they're doing in that program, they're keeping the – like especially in coaching, keeping people in their positions. They almost seem like they're on a Kentucky trajectory to me, trying to build yeah. something that's going to last for a long time. And although we may not see it completely pay off this year, I do think they have a lot of strong things in place. But when you look at the guys, they the amount of guys they have returning versus Mississippi state, it was hard to pick nine returning guys versus 17. And so that's why we put them where we did. Um, there are impactful guys, uh, senior linemen like Ricky Stromberg that I think are going to be able to, again, lead guys on the field and off of the field. Um, but we ultimately had to put them below Mississippi State just because of the pure amount of experience returning.
0: Well, and we, we have Tennessee at number seven. They have 14 t- starters coming back. Um, Tennessee has eight starters on offense, including Hendon Hooker. All four offensive, four of the five offensive linemen. They have six guys back on defense. That's where they're going to have to make um, a lot of progress is on the defensive side of the ball. I, I trust Arkansas more, but Tennessee returns a lot more around their starting quarterback, and they play in the easier division. So it's sort of like, like if we we're talking about which program do we believe in, like from a culture standpoint or buy-in, or like you said, kind of feels like it's got a Kentucky build here. I I, I trust Arkansas over you know, Mississippi state or LSU or Tennessee, but it just doesn't feel like this particular Arkansas team. And maybe I'm dead wrong about this. Maybe we're just way off and we didn't, we're not giving enough credit to some of the new pieces that are going to step in, but it feels like I trust this program more, but I'm not sure if they're, you know, if Mississippi state's not just one game better this year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Tennessee too. Like, like you said, and I, that's all that to say, I'm not, not to shit on Tennessee's culture either. Cause I think they're definitely heading in the right direction and maybe, you know, they have 14 guys coming back and maybe some of that excitement can help kind of give them a little bit of an adrenaline boost going into the season and help them grab a couple more wins. But yeah, when you, when you look at just what Arkansas is able to do, it just sometimes feels like they don't need as many key pieces because their puzzle sort of fits together better. Um, Tennessee In my opinion, needs those standout guys and experience just lately to be able to pull anything off. But again, it's early; could be dead wrong. If
0: if I was gambling, I would gamble on Mississippi State and Tennessee to have more wins than Arkansas, but that Arkansas might be the better team than both of them. Yeah, that that, that's sort of sounds right. that's, That's how I feel, and LSU is a complete wild card in all of this. We'll get to them in just a second. Mississippi State at number six, the most returning starters of any team in the SEC and the most returning starters of anybody in the entire country in the power five, 17 returning starters, nine on offense, eight on defense. I really like what Zach Arnett's doing on defense with this group. They bring back a lot of guys. And Will Rogers comes back after basically what would have been every breaking every single SEC record on the planet if it wasn't for Joe Burrow and Bryce Young. So Mike Leach, third year, There's just a lot to like about where this roster and this team is. I don't know if Mike Leach can sustain it, but right now on this, this particular moment in this spring, it feels like this is a pretty good Mississippi state team that I think people are going to underlook or over overlook, underlook, overlook, overlook.
1: overlook. Mike Leach is interesting to me because it's almost like Mississippi state and their fans feel like they have this secret weapon. And not that I don't recognize what Mike Leach is able to do, but It does feel like they think he's this well kept secret that things are going better inside the program than other people are recognizing. Like, I look at Mike Leach and I'm like, oh, it's kind of crazy what he's been able to pull off. And he's such a wild card in interviews and he's so funny and so entertaining. Um, But Mississippi State is, they seem very confident in what they have going on um, inside their program and their fan base. So they seem like they've got more of an ego than, I think they should have, but <laughs> I think not in a bad way, but just they think Mike Leach is the best thing that ever happened. And I respect him, but I don't totally know, like you said, if he can sustain it for forever, but maybe they know something. I don't,
0: I, I think they're in a really good spot for this year, but like how long can they keep Zach Arnett as a defensive coordinator? How long is Will Rogers going to be the starting quarterback? Like I, the, the, to me, those are the, some of the questions about Mississippi state, but I don't think those are questions about this year's team. Yeah. I mean, they gave up 5.8 yards per play on defense last year, which is not like elite, but it's pretty damn good for a team that is as good as they are on offense. So, um, a, a lot. We're, I'm, I'm, I can already tell. There's always these teams, Aaron, that I spend like all summer, sort of like pumping up. Like last year it was Kentucky, right? Mm-hmm. Like I spent all year last year, all summer talking about Kentucky, and turns out I was right. Um, and Mississippi State is. I- I'm feeling some Kentucky vibes from last year Kentucky to this year Mississippi State. I feel like I'll be talking a lot about Mississippi state this summer. I feel like,
1: well, a lot to be said when you actually are put in a position where you can build on something. And now you, your playbook can become more perfected, more creative, um, as you have guys with experience under their belt. So I hope they do it. I'd love to see them do well.
0: So number five on our list, and this might be controversial, but LSU at number five, and that's probably much higher than anyone else has them ranked. Um so go ahead and post this all over LSU message boards if you'd like. Um but I to me it's about Brian Kelly and his instantaneous track record of results and success packaged with an with a roster that has been recruited very well. It's not quite the same as Florida. It's a little different. I think they've got better talent than Florida and I think Brian Kelly's a more proven winner than Billy Napier at least for right now. He's got to replace four starters along the offensive line, but they've got really good talent at quarterback. They've got one of the best receivers in America. I I just think LSU is poised. I have no clue if this means LSU can beat Alabama routinely or Brian Kelly can recruit at the highest levels or they're going to win titles. I don't think any of that yet. But what I think he's very good, I think he's so good that, and their roster is good enough that with all the portal action that they got, that, that this team can get good quickly. I don't know how good, but I think they're going to be they're going to be significantly improved right away. So I've, we got LSU at number five.
1: Well, the only way the culture can go is up because it's just been a mess. It's been complete chaos. And with that being said, we'll know quick. I don't know exactly what we will know, but I think we'll know <laughs> in the next year or two where if this team's trajectory is is going. It's going. It's going to go up. I don't see how it doesn't. But I just right. don't know. Like you said, if that's at the level, are you going to be beating? Are you going to be competing and beating without beating Alabama or at least playing them close? Georgia, Texas A and M, which you know that yep. that those yep. two teams tend to play each other a little bit more closely. But in terms of weapons, like you said, Kayshawn Boutte, and then on defense, they have a couple of guys. BJ ojalari is that how you say it, Braden? Yeah,
0: yeah Ojolari.
1: is is great. Super super talented. Arguably, maybe the most athletic player that they have, but you you are missing some key pieces. You lost a couple guys to the NFL. So even though you have someone coming in to kind of step in, you did you did lose some guys. So lots of moving pieces still at LSU, which has been the trend for the last feels like forever.
0: Fewest returning starters of any power five team in all of America. Three on offense, three on defense for LSU. I could argue some of that's a good thing um that they're replacing some of those pieces and that they have really good quality pieces on their roster to me this is like the brian kelly plateau he's going to get them to the plateau pretty quickly you know 10 wins 10 and 2 9 and 3 whatever that number is he's going to get them there pretty fast the question is do they just plateau there and just stay there or can they challenge for that next tier which is why he took the job in the first place uh number four and i can't believe I'm, i'm saying that the kentucky wildcats return only 10 starters five on offense five on defense. And our and are fourth in our power rankings out of a lot of different reasons trust in the defense trust in Mark Stoops you've got the quarterback coming back and Will leave us, but they've got to replace some some they've got three starters on the offensive line gone and they've got to replace their coordinator I I I don't know how much more trust we could put in Kentucky right now
1: Yeah we're definitely just banking on history repeating itself but some key the the system. That has been built. at Kentucky is still there. And I think over the course of the last decade, we've seen that built the right way and are kind of just trusting that it's going to continue to work that way. You've got guys like Chris Rodriguez at running back I and mean, we can yeah. talk about these individual guys, but it's just it's it's less about them and more about just trusting that Mark Stoops is yep. going to continue to make this work.
0: Well, and like I thought about LSU at four, but like Kentucky beat him just just destroyed him last year. But again, that's a different coach. So um I, I really do think four through ten, Kentucky, LSU, Mississippi State, Tennessee, Arkansas, Florida, and Ole Miss. I think this is as strong and as healthy a a, a four through ten as we've ever seen in this league. Because I think the bottom four and the top three are pretty clear. Like that that if if I had to, you know, kind of put lines of demarcation in there.
1: And Honestly, it's almost always been pretty four distinct categories, at least, you know, in my recent memory. It's been, you've had the top two or three. You've had um, the next three. You've had the not the shittiest three uh, right above the bottom. Then you've had the three in the bottom, I think.
0: Not shittiest three. That's a nice, <laughs> nice label there.
1: You've had the second. To me, it's broken and easier been broken into four tiers in I, recent I history. Just, right.
0: It's 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 more clear who these sort of middle of the pack to bottom half teams are. Whereas it feels like if Florida and Ole Miss are nine and 10, that, that, mm-hmm. that is a, pre, a really good nine and 10.
1: Yeah. Cause like it's all,
0: just, yeah, that, that's, I think that's, I think we're, we're I, I
1: didn't say that. Well, the very, very tip top, top three, you at the very bottom and the middle is all kind of, you know, pretty strong, didn't yeah. know where to put them. and And normally there's pretty, you know, there's some towards the bottom that aren't Vanderbilt yeah. that, you know, aren't great.
0: Yep. A lot of love like to put to, to rank Kentucky in the top 25 or put them at four in the SEC with only 10 starters coming back is an extraordinary testament to what Mark Stoops has accomplished. Yep. Um, Texas A&M at number three, pretty easy to put them at number three quarterback battle is going to be huge. Uh, they only have nine returning starters four on offense, five on defense. They're gonna to have to find some replace some some high level NFL talent on the defensive line and the offensive line. And it, but they've recruited so well that I think they're going to plug those holes. So A and M at three.
1: Yep, a chain. You know they've they may not have the most amount of players coming back. They have who else? Ha- did we just say had nine? Uh,
0: uh Arkansas, has nine. Ar- yep.
1: Arkansas. Arkansas has nine. Arkansas. Yep. But it just the talent level of the guys that they are returning, and again the system, um, what Jimbo Fisher's been able to do, and competing. You know, com- really giving these very top tier teams to run for their money has us um, believing that they could probably do that again.
0: So again, Georgia fans, you might think this is controversial, but I have Georgia, we have Georgia at two and we have Sorry. Alabama at one and Georgia returns 10 starters, seven on offense. So the offense is in really good shape. They lose a lot of playmakers um, just three on defense, but we're not really worried about that side of the ball. They're just going nope. like, to throw waves of dudes at you, um, uh, which is basically what happened on the bachelorette party in Cabo. I heard, uh, and then Bama, <laughs> you heard of nothing B- Bama uh, at number one. I think, unfortunately for Georgia, I don't think this is a function of Georgia, like taking a step back. I think Georgia is a top two or three team in America. Like, I think they could, a- absolutely could repeat and win a national championship. This is not a knock on Georgia. I think Alabama is this salty this year. Bryce Young on offense, eight starters back on defense, 13 starters for Alabama back. Uh, their defense is going to be sick. Bryce Young is still Bryce Young. Like I just, unfortunately for Georgia, I just think this is one of those where like, oh, Bama got beat a couple times. Now they're going to come back and show us that Nick Saban's the greatest coach of all time. I, I just think Bama is really, really good.
1: <laughs> they are, but if we want to plant a little bit of Georgia excitement that I guess a lot of Georgia fans already know about, but let's talk good about Georgia for a second right. on offense. Like Braden let's mentioned, let's talk
0: good about them. Let's go. Let's
1: talk good about them. Yeah, baby. on think people I'm very excited to watch for Georgia on offense. Arian Smith, who is an actual legitimate track star at Georgia, runs track for the university, um, had a lot of big – although they didn't have as many – you didn't see him all over. He wasn't everywhere. But what he did do was impressive. Um, his ability to make chunk plays, uh, I think we'll see a lot more of him this year. He was derailed by an injury last season. Um, but I think he'll be a standout guy. And Brock Bowers has already been really fun to watch tight end oh, who just ridiculous. completely, what'd you say?
0: It's just ridiculous. Just, just ridiculous. I mean,
1: you look up it, yeah. he runs routes like a receiver. I mean, you, you look up and he's, he's gone. Um, it just, he is, it's a level of pro- production for him that I, I just don't remember seeing as a true freshman tight end before. I think that the, the sky is the limit for him. And he is extremely entertaining to watch.
0: Yeah. What's, what's unfortunate is the only name that truly comes to mind as a player at that position with that level of athleticism is Aaron Hernandez. Like that, that's the name that comes to mind. Like just the ability to get him the ball in space and do so many different things. Like that's, that's, I mean, they lined up Aaron Hernandez in the backfield like that. That's what they did. Handed him the football. So, um, uh, yeah, you know. that's
1: going to become a household name. Oh, well, oh, Brock Bowers do. already
0: is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, j- but hopefully in a different way than,
0: um, I don't think it's hopeful. I think it will be in a different <laughs> way and already is in a different way than the murderer. Uh, and, uh, obviously the Brock Bowers is a national champion. So I guess they have that in common too. So yeah, Both national so, champions.
1: same, same, uh, but different.
0: <laughs> geez, how did we get here? Um, Bama number one. So our power rankings, Bama, Georgia, Texas, A and M, Kentucky four, LSU five, Mississippi State six, Tennessee seven, Arkansas eight, Florida nine, Ole Miss ten, Auburn eleven, Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. Wrapping up your list. Add us. Send us your, send us your power rankings. I, listen, if you guys want to argue with us about four through ten, I am totally fine with that. I think you can make a great case for a lot of these different teams, but we wanted to lay out all the number of returning starters, who's bringing back what, and sort of give you a spring look at where we think these the, the conference is from top to bottom. Uh, today on the show anything else you want to throw at him? Aaron Dugan anything
1: no I don't think so
0: all right good. well w- good stuff then man when we come back you'll hear from Neil McCready of rebelgrove.com covering the Ole Miss Rebels he'll give us our State of the Union for Lane Kiffin is he leaving is Lane Kiffin going to stay who's going to be the quarterback is the defense going to be better the coaching staff all that great stuff from Neil when we come back right here on Fringe Element. Grinch Element, Aaron Dugan, is brought to you by the wonderful folks at?
1: Jaspers. Um, Jaspers is Braden and I's only location that we hang out outside of work. It is the only thing that can get us to be in each other's presence when we're not doing the podcast. Wow. Mainly because I'm not ever invited to Braden's parties and he's not ever invited to mine.
0: What parties so, do I have, honestly?
1: You had... um a soccer party
0: a soccer you had party. i had a soccer
1: party didn't you have when oh when, like a watch party yeah
0: yeah at a different bar thanks a lot for the ad wait no no no, no 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 i'm talking about the one <laughs> at your house you had
1: a super bowl party i wasn't invited to
0: i did not have a super bowl party. what you're making this is all erroneous these well, are all counterfactual it's
1: not erroneous because i'm just misnaming what party it was we but had there a were super parties. bowl
0: party that was for the four of us like, me and my daughters and my wife. If
1: no, the there dog, was another party yeah. I wasn't invited to. Trust
0: we me, went I remember. The Tennessee, we went and watched the first round of the NCAA tournament at Jaspers.
1: Yeah, with, like, all the – oh, oh yes, this is one of them. And you said with the 440 team, and I was like, that's I said, super no, interesting.
0: I said with a couple of people from 440 Sports who happen to be Tennessee fans. And what, what I told you was is we didn't invite Adam Vingan of the Gold Standard Podcast, who covers the Nashville Predators. Because he's a Duke fan. You didn't want to come watch Tennessee basketball with us. Did you? Um, I
1: love watching basketball and I am mm. not a Duke fan.
0: No, it, we, I, I, and only, I, so
1: I shouldn't have not been, you know, I get why you didn't invite You're a Vandy Adam. fan. I'm not a Tennessee fan. I know, but it's March madness. Also,
0: you want the truth. Here's the truth folks. Go to Jasper's. The parking is free. The food is amazing. That's true. Also, here's and I the truth.
1: Freaking invited to it.
0: We can't ever invite Aaron anywhere because she's going to say no. Anyway, she's just always going to say no. So I've just stopped with the courtesy invites because you're, you're too wrong cool, about that. You're too fancy. You have too many fancy, cool friends doing t- too many cool, fancy things on the internet. And we don't, you're just, we're not cool enough for you. That's what it is. That is a
1: sad and untrue excuse, Braden, And I will no longer have it. I've never said no to going to Jaspers with
0: you ever. That's true. Jaspers is powerful. They have a powerful hold over everyone.
1: That's what I'm saying, and that's where, and that's why I'm good at ads. See, the go only to, thing that can bring us together, no matter go, what,
0: go to go to Jasper's. Okay, <laughs> go to Jasper's, where the power yeah. of the food will overcome the awfulness of the company. <laughs> Is that what you're saying?
1: Uh, well, when you say it like that, it sounds
0: bad. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Maybe, maybe. I yeah, but like... I'm just saying,
1: I've never said no. So if you ever okay. want to hang out, just invite me to Jasper's. I might not do anything else. I might not want to be in your presence for any other reason, but I've will. i never said no to eating with you at Jaspers.
0: Yeah, Jaspers is pretty good. Go there, folks. Food's good. The parking's free. And there's a game room where they got all kinds of cool games. So go to Jaspers, everybody. Neil, great to see you, man. Always a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, Thanks for giving us a few minutes of your time today. We appreciate it.
2: Yeah, thanks for uh, having me. I appreciate it.
0: So let let me, before we talk quarterback battle or, you know, state of the the roster or the coaching staff, all that stuff, I'm just curious, sort of what Ole Miss fans, how they view the future long-term with Lane Kiffin. His name is going to come up with NFL jobs pretty routinely from here on out, especially if he's winning 10 games a year. What do you see sort of the relationship being between Lane Kiffin, the university, the fans long-term?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm always kind of reluctant to speak for a fan base because I'm not a fan, so it's kind of hard for me to to know what they think. Um, you know, look, you're exactly right. His name's going to come up for a number of reasons. It's always going to come up. Uh any media that is click-based, and I don't mean that as a negative, I just mean that as a as a matter of fact. Any media that is click-based knows that Lane Kiffin's name gets clicks. And so if you can write Lane Kiffin's name, you write it because it helps your numbers. Now that being said, that that if I just left it there, that would be flippant. The reality is Lane Kippen's name comes up also frequently because Lane Kiffin and Lane Kippen's representation puts that name out. They like his name being <laughs> out. He I think he's a guy that views any publicity as generally good publicity. Um and then so this is a complicated answer, and, and a lot of people, they just get mad at this. They, they want you to say, Lane Kiffin's going to be at Ole Miss forever, and, and he's never leaving, and I, I think that's disingenuous. Um, you know, is there a scenario where Lane Kiffin ends up being at Ole Miss for six or seven years? Sure, absolutely. Um, Ole Miss is paying him $7.5 million. I mean, start there. They're paying him $7.5 million. They're paying him big boy money. Uh, it's the SEC. Uh, the SEC is getting ready to launch into a, a new TV deal that is going to be lucrative for all 16 member institutions. Uh, with Texas and Oklahoma joining, it, the league becomes even more high profile. Um, in other words, there just aren't that many places in college football that you can leave for. I mean, we're, you know, I mean, are there places inside the league that Lane Kiffin would leave? For? Sure. I mean, you know, if, if Alabama offered him the job, would he go? to? Of course. Right. Right. Is Alabama offering the job to Lane Kiffin? Probably not. Um, you know, uh, you know, there, so, so there's a limited number of places he could go. And I do think there's an NFL itch that he still has that I, I I think he would probably want to scratch. I don't think he sees himself as the guy at Ole Miss for a long time. And again, that could change over time and it could become something where he wants to be at Ole Miss and it works out and he starts to program build right now. He's team building. He's using the portal incredibly well in a way of team building. Yet I don't know that that's – that's not necessarily a sign of program building. And so right. it's complicated. They obviously like him. Lane Kiffin came in. At Ole Miss, when, when Lane Kiffin got the job, Ole Miss had just come out of a, a, a disappointing season that ended with a loss in Startville that was, you know, accentuated by the Elijah Moore penalty and the dog pee thing and all that stuff. And it was kind of an embarrassing time. And Lane Kiffin comes in, and Ole Miss went from irrelevant to relevant – very fast Ole Miss went from kind of boring to pretty must watch television really fast. And then last season, Ole Miss went 10 and two. I mean, they, they, they went to the sugar bowl and they lost to Baylor in the sugar bowl and the job that Lane Kiffin did with Matt Corral. And I mean, there's a lot there beyond just the craziness and the golf ball and all that stuff that, (laughs) that kind of (laughs) comes with lane. He did a, he's done a hell of a job at Ole Miss so far. So would they like for him to stay? Of course. I mean, he's, he's fun. And he gets it. He's, for a guy who is in person, kind of aloof and shy and super reserved to also be able to pull off that Twitter thing and and the deal with when the camera's on to be this other person. It's a remarkable. He's a really complicated guy in that way because when you just are around him on a daily basis, like, we'll do press conferences, Braden Ray. You can barely hear the guy on a Monday. (laughs) It's just, just, he's just, and, and then, and then, you know, then the know. same exact week, you know, ESPN <laughs> comes to town for game day and stuff, and he's on the set, dressed, you know, and all that stuff, and you're like, "How do you? That's that's wild." <laughs> um, so th- there's a lot there. I don't know. It, it, if you told me that he's gone after this season, I'd buy it. If you told me that he's here in five years, I'd buy it. It's it's the money makes it where, yeah. Unless he's willing to take a pay cut, only a handful of places that you can go at this point. If because Ole Miss has they have, he has won and they have bumped him and bumped him and bumped him and seven and a half million dollars puts you, I don't know where they are, 10th, 11th in the country in terms of paying their head coach. And so I don't, you know, they're not a lot of places you can just go get tons more money. Ole Miss has proven that they'll pay and with the SEC contract coming, they'll pay more if it's what it takes. Yeah, there's
0: so, so much to follow up on in that answer. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know where to start uh, other than Oxford's also a beautiful place to live as well. Um, that 7 million goes a long way. Um, uh, let, let's get to the the roster. You mentioned kind of the portal certainly went and got Jackson Dart. You got Luke Altmyers there. Who's had more experience sort of in lane system per se, um, but certainly not nearly the same talent level. Is is there a quarterback battle in Oxford this spring in this offseason, or is it Jackson's Darts job?
2: Uh, you know, I think there's a battle. And, and listen, I've tried to say this to people because there's a Jackson Dart's not even 19 yet. Luke Altmyer's a really young guy. Luke Altmyer's this time, you know, two years ago was still in high school. Um, these are young guys and they're going to take a step back at quarterback. Matt Corral was terrific the last two seasons, but Matt Corral at 19 years old was not the same Matt Corral that he was last fall when he just kind of willed Ole Miss. Matt Corral was more than the quarterback of that team last year. He was, he was their leader. He was the vocal leader inside the locker room. He was the, the, the guy who provided energy. He was the guy who provided confidence. He was the guy who played hurt. They knew he was playing hurt. He provided toughness. He provided a personality. Uh, there was a lot there, a lot there with Matt that, that you don't just immediately replace. I don't care how good Jackson Dart is or Luke Altmeyer is. They're going to take a little bit of a step back at that position because Matt Corral developed over the course of time into a first round pick and, and they're not going to be that right away. So there's this tendency because Jackson Dart came from USC and it was the transfer portal and everybody wanted him and all of that. There's a tendency to go, no fall off. And and listen, two years from now, if you told me that Jackson Dart's getting first-round looks and people are talking about, it, I, I get it. I, I watched him on Saturday and I saw it. Right. There's a lot of skill there. There's a really high ceiling. He's got a, a ton of upside, but there's a lot of work to be done. He's not, he's not the quarterback today that Matt Corral was at Ole Miss in the fall. And that's not a criticism of Jackson. It's just there's a reason that you know four NFL head coaches were in Oxford on. <laughs> on Wednesday and 31 teams were there. And there's a reason that, you know, Mike Tomlin and um, you know, Matt Rule and, and Mike McCarthy were were studying every move that Matt Corral made. It was because they're thinking about making him the face of their franchise.
0: So combine all of that, because I, I think everybody I think that's pretty rational. Like you know, certainly he's got the upside to be the starter, but how fast does he reach Matt Corral levels? I think everybody needs to sort of take take a step back on that. Because when you package that with Breaking in new coordinators. I mean, Jeff levy has gone to Oklahoma. It's not a, It's not only just that. It's also sort of been this wave of talent that this organization, this university, has produced at both receiver and running back. They're losing what two thousand yards worth of guys out of the backfield. They yeah. just keep throwing dudes into the league at wide receiver, and they just keep replacing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, like again, I'm in Nashville. We got AJ Brown here. There's DK Metcalf, Elijah Moore. Then they lose Drummond and all these other guys. Like so, h- how difficult is it going to be? Because we trust Lane Kiffin. It, it sort of implicitly in certain in terms of offensive design like what is the deciding factor on how quickly the offense can rebound is it replacing the talent around the quarterback is it just the quarterback is it the coordinators give me your sense of how all of the pieces are going to fit together.
2: Well, I think this is the brilliance of Lane Kiffin and he's shown this from back when he was at uh at USC and then at Alabama as an offensive coordinator. He did it at FAU on a on a much smaller scale. And he's done it at Ole Miss in the last two years. If you look at it, the first year that he got to Ole Miss, Elijah Moore was the the kind of the focal point of the offense. They moved him around, they made they made sure that he got the ball. And then last season it was more about corral and and, and you know, they didn't have an Elijah Moore. They didn't have a Kenny Yaboa tight end. They they were kind of having to mix and match. They had a bunch of different running backs that did different things, but the offense was built around corral. So I have no doubt that he'll figure out how to accentuate the, the positives that he has. I think they're going to be better at running back. Uh, I know they lost three guys. They, they also added three guys and the three guys they added. I think it's a better mix, but now wide receiver as of today, they don't have a, a, a Braylon Sanders. Much less than Elijah Moore. I don't I don't know that they have a Dontario Drummond. They the one guy that, hey, he's gonna go catch 70, 80 balls. He's got got great hands, he's right. gonna get open with the big body in the middle of the field. They're better at tight end. They the guy that's gonna help them instantly more than Jackson Dart is his former teammate at USC, who's now his teammate at Ole Miss and, and Michael Trigg is a, a the kind of tight end that Lane Kiffin has had a lot of success with at, at every step of of his career. Um, they're gonna be good up front on offense. They went out and, and um, added uh, Mason Brooks from Western Kentucky, and it let them move Nick Broker inside to guard, which is probably where he needs to play. It let them move Jeremy James to left tackle, um, and I think Jeremy is as a potential kind of elite talent at, at left tackle, and you'll see that there. So th- they're going to be they're going to be better up front, um, you know. So offensively, I think they'll figure it out. But again, you know, you get back into this this feeling that there won't be any kind of a fall off and and i think i I always encourage those people go back and watch the arkansas game from a year ago watch the tennessee game from a year ago and and realize just how (laughs) vital matt corral was to those games i mean how if matt corral wasn't damn near perfect in those games you just don't win them and and they did because of corral so there's there's, you know, and, and Matt had a learning curve in the SEC. You know, Matt played some. And so I think whether it's Dart or whether it's Altmeyer, it, it's either one, there's this, you know, I mean, both of them. I, yeah, for either one, it's their first SEC start when they make it. I'm, you know, I mean, yeah, Dart started some games at, at USC. And Luke played a lot, like against Baylor, for example, in the Sugar Bowl when, when Matt got hurt. But this will be the first time that one of them takes the field that old miss as the starting quarterback, it'll be their first start. So there's there's going to be some there's going to be some uh growing pains, I think is the word I'm looking for.
0: So you mentioned the you know roster building versus program building. And obviously on defense, we saw, you know, again, not one of the best defenses in the SEC, but significantly improved from the year before in terms of big plays allowed, yardage points, all that stuff, every metric. A lot of that was, you know, you got to give DJ Durkin credit for that. He's now at AM. How much is just overall growth uh, of a program that Lynn Kiffin is sort of building? How much of it was just DJ Durkin? What, what are, what's the state of the defensive roster? What do we make on that side of the ball also with, with new coaches?
2: I think you do have to give DJ a ton of credit because um, when they walked in and took that job, the defensive talent was just lacking. It was, they, they 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 weren't they didn't have enough bodies they they didn't have enough speed they weren't big enough they had a dearth of linebacker play that was frightening like it's almost like did you just not you know but <laughs> when it boiled down to they just failed to recruit linebackers they didn't try and they, they they tried to recruit them just didn't get them um, and 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 they fixed that in so many ways I mean I, I think by the end of last season uh, Ole Miss was pretty good on defense um, you know bordering on really good it got overshadowed in the in the Sugar Bowl against Baylor because Corral got hurt and so much of the focus was on his injury and then Altmyer and Ole Miss's offensive struggles but Ole Miss played really well against a a a very good Baylor offense that night it just didn't matter uh they they were very good towards the end of the season and and DJ's gone uh you know Chris Partridge was the co-defensive coordinator so he it's 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 not like you're changing everything schematically or anything like that. I, I, some of the players have referred to it as a tweak here and there, but it's basically the same defense. Um, they lose Sam Williams, who was as impactful on the defensive end as Matt Corral was on the offensive side. Um, but they, they, you know, I think they're, I think they're potentially pretty good up front. Uh, they added Troy Brown from Central Michigan, who is kind of this year's version of Chance Campbell in a lot of ways. Uh, I, I think they're going to be okay at linebacker. They're much better in the secondary. They've really Turn that from in 2020, it may have been the weakness of the roster to 2022, where it may be the strength, um, which is, you know, speaks to their ability to use the portal, their ability to evaluate some guys in recruiting. They've, they've had some success with DBs. Look, well, I think defensively, they've got a chance to make another step up. I, you know, they went from being horrific in 2020 to pretty, pretty average in, in 2021. And I think they could be a little above average. In 2022 I think they have to be though um you know I, I think if if they give up 51 points in an SEC game this year they're probably not winning that game and you know that that happened to them last year they gave up 51 points and won a game yeah. uh, that, that, that won't that won't happen this fall
0: well, I'll let you go on this just it sounds like tempering expectations for an offense that's got a lot of new pieces in a lot of places but some slow progress in other areas for a program that still has the guy that sort of makes it all go in charge so does that feel like a fair assessment if I was going to say state of the roster state of the union state of sort of expectations for this summer is that hey we're still a pretty good football team we're still going to be competitive in most games probably going to have a winning record but we're not going to be as good as last year is that is that a fair assessment of where this team is going to be in the summer
2: it's probably more overreaching than I would go um you know I, th- I think they can be a really good football team they have a they have an interesting schedule, if you look at it. Right? They they have a the front end of their schedule is really navigable. Um, they could go seven and zero out of the gate. I mean, depending on what you think about Kentucky, they get Kentucky here. Depending on what you think about Auburn, um, you know, if you are as <laughs> if if you are as, as selling on what Auburn, do you
0: think of what do you think of Auburn?
2: <laughs> I mean. Auburn's pretty simple really I mean you 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 keep having these coups and you have no end game with the coup it's like hey let's 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 kill the let's kill the dictator but then what and the then what is hey let's maybe let's not kill him it's whack it's whack it's whack-a-mole is what it is yeah now that now that we've killed him you know what let's put him back
0: yeah
2: right and then he's all broken I mean he's like the Humpty Dumpty and and they just keep putting him back and so I my anticipation is that at some point Auburn has to pay for that uh, on the field. And, and, yep. and, yep. you know, I, I think this looking at them on paper, this looks like a year that Auburn begins to pay for that. Um, which is interesting because one of the names that would come up if that were to come happen is Lane Kiffin, <laughs> um, you know, so it all, it all goes together. But yep. if you, if you, back to your original question, if you buy that Auburn is going to be down and, you know, is it conceivable that Ole Miss starts the season seven and zero? Oh? Yeah, sure. Now then, after that, man, it's it's murderers row. It's it's an incredibly good Alabama team that comes in. Uh, you've got to go to LSU and Kelly wins everywhere he ever goes. First year, they'll be excited in LSU. Uh, it's going to be a new energy down there. Uh, they got to go to Texas A and M. You know, Texas A and M is going to have Ole Miss circled. Uh, They have to go to Arkansas. Ole Miss typically does not do well in Fayetteville, and I think uh, I think Arkansas is going to be a good team again next season. Mm -hmm. And then they get Mississippi State, who would have uh, trying to avoid three Egg Bowl losses in a row with uh, a a very experienced team with Will Rogers. And uh, I mean, that the the last five games, I mean, it's like whoa, you could, I mean, you could play well and go one and four. And so you know. But the flip side of that is that you could start hot, play with this kind of find yourself. You have lots of time, build a lot of confidence, and you're six and one, seven and oh, ranked seventh in the country or whatnot. And Alabama comes in, and you're like, hey, it's a free shots, okay. And even when you lose, you you turn around and you go win games, and you look up and you're ten and two again. I mean, that is that conceivable? Sure. Would I bet on it? Probably not. But you know, I, I think I think it's an eight and four team. Um, you know, and and it's one that if you're looking at it from a program standpoint, as long as they can kind of continue to build and recruit, and as long as, you know, Kiffin stays and and that kind of thing, I I think it's a super successful kind of a a season that you can build on because whether it's Dart or Altmyer or whatever, whoever that quarterback is in 2023 is going to be more experienced and yep. uh, more seasoned and, and that, that kind of thing. So, but if you're looking at it as a, Hey, this is, and I've seen people do this and I just, shake my head kind of like hey you know they're this is gonna be a national championship contender it's like probably not probably not you're you're probably not there yet because you just don't close you don't close that gap in that period of time although they've come really close like last year I mean look if they win at Auburn which was a weird game if they win at Auburn I mean maybe they're in the playoffs I don't know I mean it's a remarkable accomplishment what, what he's done but um they're, they're going to be good. They're going to be fun. They'll Like, once again, they will be must-watch television, I think.
0: And I think what's interesting in college football, which makes it fun, is context is so important. And what you do in a rebuilding situation is almost as much a sign of progress as how good you are when you're good. And so I think if they go eight and four, after losing all their coordinators, their star core their star quarterback, and all that sure. stuff, and they're still able to maintain that's almost as much a step forward as 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 anything. Even though it feels like you're coming back to the pack a couple of wins, so sure. and it's it's going to be a fascinating year, like you said. Must must see television. Must click. Must click content on Lane Kiffin. That is for sure. Neil, for sure. thank thank you so much, man, for giving us so much of your time. We do appreciate it, and uh, we'll we'll talk uh, this on this summer sometime.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: That about does it, Aaron uh, Neil McCready there from Rebel Grove. Hope everybody enjoyed that conversation. Really insightful stuff about, you know, listen, the Ole Miss could take a couple of steps back, but it could actually be a, a year of progress for them because they're losing so much. So, um, how, however long Lane Kiffin's in town, they're they're going to be interesting, and he's must he's much must, must easy for me to say must watch TV. There you go. So there you have it. There you have it, man. Good show. I'm
1: ready to pick my Ole Miss road game for the year. I like to go to at least Ooh. one. So I think mean, we should pick one.
0: You mean a road game, like in the Grove, or? Oh, sorry.
1: Yeah, well, road game for me because I don't live trip. in Oxford. Road trip. road trip. Yeah, yeah. Road trip to the Grove.
0: Which? Ooh. Who they got in the? Who they got in the they've
1: Grove? They've got Kentucky at home. That could be fun. Oh,
0: that would be a lot of fun.
1: They've got Kentucky at home. They've got Arkansas at home. LSU. Wait, no, no. no. They have
0: Arkansas at home.
1: No, 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 Hold on, I, fuck, I messed that up. Caught myself on the f word.
0: It's okay. Barely. That's fine.
1: Dang it. Hold on. It pulled up the wrong. False alarm, everyone. Um, Central Arkansas. No.
0: No, no, we're not going to Central Arkansas.
1: It is. They do. Okay. They do have Kentucky at home. I was just wrong about the other one. Let's do that. Yeah. And it's October 1st. All right. Let's go into my planner.
0: There you go. By the way, former former Ole Miss head coach, uh, David Cutcliffe, I believe, is returning to the SEC as like a, a special assistant to commissioner for football relations. That's a fancy title. I'm glad that he's going to be like just I would use him as a sounding board for all of life. You know what I mean? Like I would Mm -hmm. just use David Cutcliffe as like, hey, which speaker, which amp should go to my speakers? Like what you know, what do I do as a father in this situation? Like I would ask David Cutcliffe about everything,
1: anything, whether or not he's ever experienced it. He seems like a good a good sounding board for advice. I support that much better
0: than me. Go to Jaspers, everybody. Jaspers over on West End is the next evolution of the sports bar here in Nashville. Game room, great drink specials, free parking, uh, just awesome, awesome menu by Dead Pack Cat and four top hospitality. So make sure you go to Jaspers, everybody, uh, and check all that great stuff out. Aaron Dugan, where can people find you?
1: Well, tonight they can find me at Jaspers because I have no groceries since after being in Cabo, <laughs> so I'll be there tonight. You can find me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram Aaron underscore Dugan.
0: You can follow me, Brayden Gall, at Brayden Gall. Thank you guys all for listening and watching on the YouTubes. Make sure you're checking out the YouTubes and just click all the subscribe buttons everywhere we we where there's a button, right? If it's on the social account, yes. follow the social account. If it's on a YouTube channel, follow the YouTube. Just click all the subscribe buttons everywhere you can. Help support the company. We really, really appreciate it and all the work that Aaron puts in for all this stuff for you guys to watch it so special thanks to neil mccready for hanging out with us as well for aaron my name is brayden thank you guys all for listening this has been fringe element here on the 440 sports network talk to you again next week
1: bye